I really couldn't believe my eyes. The building itself was gone. There was debris kind of fluttering down. It was a windy day. There were papers blowing everywhere. This is The Day That Changed Everything, a podcast series produced by Maine Biz, Maine's business news source. Every two weeks, we will post an interview with a Maine business leader whose life or business was upended in one day and learned how they navigated their way back. If all great changes are preceded by chaos, then this podcast series seeks to help us make sense of the chaos. The Day That Changed Everything is sponsored by Norway Savings Bank, Maine Technology Institute, or MTI, and Sutherland Weston. Mainers have an unrivaled work ethic, an endless supply of ideas, a boundless energy to create, and the perseverance to not say it's done until it's done better than it was before. Which is why the Maine Technology Institute was created to support, nurture, and invest in those qualities and make Maine a place where ideas and people can thrive. To see how MTI supports innovation, go to maintechnology.org. That's maintechnology.org. Welcome everyone. This is Maureen Milliken, and today we're with Daryl Wood of Leap Incorporated. And Daryl, why don't you tell us who you are and what Leap is? Sure. So as you said, my name is Daryl Wood, and I'm the Executive Director of Life Enrichment Advancing People, better known as LEAP. I've been the Executive Director since 2011. Uh, LEAP was started in 1980 as a home for adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities. When Pineland, which was a large institution, closed, a bunch of uh, parents got together and said, we're going to make some homes in these communities for our sons and daughters to live in. And that was the start. We work on Um, creating homes for people that are comfortable, setting in neighborhoods. You wouldn't even know a leap home from another home in a neighborhood, and that's as designed. We have literally dozens of homes and support situations, around 200 employees taking care of about 75 people full-time, which is 24-7, 365. Most of the people that we take care of need full-time care and assistance, We also do some case management services and some other ancillary adult services. And how long have you been with LEAP, Daryl? I started in 1997 when I was hired as an administrator for one of our intermediate care facilities. The day that changed everything at LEAP was September 16th, 2019, when a gas leak exploded and it leveled LEAP's Farmington headquarters killing Farmington Fire Captain Michael Bell and injuring six firefighters and LEAP employee Larry Lord. Quite a devastating, really just tragic happening all around. Daryl, can you tell us about that day? Yeah, I can can tell you a little bit. As we're coming up on the one-year anniversary, I think a lot of us are reflecting on how long and how quickly a year can go by and mm. all the things that can happen in that, that amount of time. I'll start by talking about an event that happened on the 13th of September. LEAP had a, our biggest event of the year. It's called a Direct Support Professional Recognition Day event. And we do it every year to show our employees how much we appreciate what they do for us. It entails a big barbecue and we give presents and people that are supported by the organization, our staff come, families and it's usually just a big gala event. So that happened on the Friday before the explosion on Monday. And because of that, our maintenance crew was putting away tables and other things in the basement of our central office on Monday morning before eight o'clock in the morning. 
Otherwise, maybe nobody would have been in there at that time. And as they were putting away tables and chairs, uh, one of the guys complained of lightheadedness, and they kind of evacuated the building and um, smelled a little propane outside. Maintenance director called me, and I said, uh, get everybody out of the building, call the fire department, I'm on my way. I hopped in my truck, and uh, before I could get there, the building exploded just after the fire department had arrived on site and, and done their investigation. It was devastating. Uh, the building was completely destroyed. Nearby homes were damaged to varying degrees. We had 12 people that were evacuated from the building, and they happened to be in a designated location that kept them safe from the explosion because there was a lot of debris that flew everywhere. And the next few hours were really utter chaos as the event certainly made statewide news and national news because of the devastation involved. When you were driving there, you must have heard the explosion. I know I was walking in Belgrade 20 miles away and heard it, didn't know what it was. So when you were driving there, you must have heard it. What did you hear and what did you think? Well, uh, it was it was odd because, you know, we have so many different locations and a lot of them have propane that it seems like we go through some type of exercise related to somebody smelled propane here or there several times a year. So even though, you know, I said to Larry, you know, call the fire department, I'm on my way. I ran to my truck and hit the road. I still wasn't expecting anything but a routine. Okay, we figured out what was going on. We cleared the building, people go back in. So I had the radio going and I'm speeding down Mm -hmm. route two. And I did sense some kind of a concussion blast or something. And then I noticed a big plume of smoke coming up over one of the farm fields there. And it really didn't occur to me that it could have been a possibility at that point. I was probably a mile away. And I said, well, that's got to be Bussy York down there burning a big brush pile Mm. in his back cornfield. And then as I kind of got closer, I saw that the plume kept going up into the sky higher and higher. And a sense of kind of dread came upon me. Um, I started putting two and two together. was still denying that it could ever be a possibility until I kind of came around the corner and, and saw what had happened. So, yeah, I was pretty close to it, but I was not one of the ones in the in the parking lot at that time. And you had had emergency evacuation protocol, right, that people have practiced. I would think that that played a big part in most of the people inside being safe, right? Every time we had a staff meeting, we would practice getting out of the building. And we had a a designated location, which was outside the shed and had a little something on the shed that said, meet here. The challenge, I think, at this point was because of the new construction, we had moved the shed and we had only practiced that evacuation to the new location once um, but people performed um, amazingly and um, it reinforced you know every fire drill that we've ever done because everybody took Larry very seriously when he went through the building and said get out Mm. and everybody went and stayed near the designated location and that fact saved a lot of lives and I point out that Half my staff left their cell phones on their desks when they Mm. evacuated the building, and that's kind of unheard of. What's the last thing you grab anytime you're asked to leave? So people people got the heck out of there, and it saved lives. What was the scene that you arrived to? I really couldn't believe my eyes. The building itself was gone. 
There was debris kind of fluttering down. It was a windy day. There were papers blowing everywhere. I immediately pulled on to the median across the street and tried to get to the back of the building because I could see that there were people at the back of the building trying to get into the basement or get people out of the basement. But there was literally a chest high pile of two by fours and broken Mm. boards and everything. So I I got blocked and I tried to run around the front of the building and and I hollered to anybody that would listen that there were people out back that needed help. And I could see that the first responders were moving in that direction, but they did not allow me to go around the back. They corralled me over with the other LEAP employees um, at that point where I did a head count. I just said, you know, okay, who's who was in the building? Who's here? I counted people off. And I realized that everybody in our group was accounted for except for Larry. Over the next few hours, as the guy in charge of this business that's lost most of its records and equipment and on top of this tragedy, like what did you do first? What did you do next? Well, I mean, first was shock and concern and just trying to be a rock in a sea of chaos. Um, But I wasn't thinking very clearly. Uh, It took me a couple of hours, I guess, to get my wits about me when I started thinking, you know, okay, this thing is in the news and there are going to be families and guardians and people that know people that work or live at LEAP that are going to be very concerned. So maybe around 10, I thought to put a statement out to social media and a note to all of my administrators, making sure that they called anybody that might be hearing the news but not know if their loved one was safe. Once I was comfortable with that, I started really receiving thousands. I mean, literally, my phone just blew up to the point where I had to turn it off. And it was everybody from, you know, people that were concerned to CNN and ABC News. Mm. Everybody wanted a quote. And I had to put my phone away because it didn't allow me to focus on what was going on around me at the time. It didn't take me very long to realize that we were without a functioning business operation. We had uh, payroll that needed to go out that Friday for close to 200 people. And there were certain things that no matter what happened that day, if we didn't take care of other business, you know, all these people that need us to thrive and survive, then it would make the situation worse. So I started contacting some of my key people in accounting and payroll and residential director. And it seemed like by the time I contacted anyone about uh, what I thought the organization needed, they already had a plan for me. So it really helped me that I had uh, a group in place that was able to stay calm and let me play executive director and deal with the insurance people and the police and the fire investigators and and the media while the business operations uh, steadied and was ready to go by Tuesday. We have to take a quick break here to hear from our sponsor. And when we come back, we can talk about what happened next. This is Jennifer Cook of Norway Savings Asset Management Group. Here, we believe in family asset management. Simply put, it means we do right by you and your loved ones. And it's not necessarily the size of the portfolio we care about. It's the story behind it. A story that's unique to you. Let us help you write your next chapter. For more information, visit norwaysavings.bank. 
Investment products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed by the bank, and may lose value. And it seemed like every time you weren't going to get through a day, somebody would send an email message, a card would show up, a group from California would send a box of homemade artwork that they had put together. And understanding the depth of understanding and compassion out there helped us get through a really tumultuous first three or four months. We're back with Daryl Wood, the executive director of LEAP, talking about what happened after the tragic gas explosion that leveled LEAP's Farmington office. So, Daryl, that first day you started kind of getting your ducks in a row, but I can't imagine you basically had a business to to rebuild with the added level of just this tragedy and, I'm sure, trauma to those involved who worked for you. So what were the challenges you faced and what were the steps you took to get things back on track? One of the, the biggest challenges was to find a place where we could set up shop as an office and get all of our business functions rolling again. Very fortunately, I think for Leap, is we had spent a good part of the previous two to three years um, archiving documents, setting up cloud services for QuickBooks and other applications that we had. So the loss of paper, although devastating, wasn't as bad as it, as it otherwise could have been. So, you know, one of my priorities was to find a place for people to work. Uh, Many of us, those first few days, were working out of our vehicles, the public library, home in some cases. And I started reaching out to all the leaders in our community and people who might know somebody and to see what office space was available. And I got a call from Gil Durrell over here at Western Maine Development Corp, who said, look, I heard about your plight. Um, We have uh, a wide open space with a number of offices, desks, chairs, telephones, pretty much ready to roll. And as soon as you can be here, it's all yours. We'll worry about who's going to pay for what and how it's all going to work after the fact. So we literally were able to pick up shop and move in, you know, very quickly because of the, the generosity of those folks. And, you know, what might be lost on a on some people out there is you don't just move into an office. I mean, you need desks, you need phones, you need paper, you need scissors, you you need you know all of the laptops. We lost thirty some odd laptops, and so that was an amazing gift to us um, and to me because um, we were able to set up and then start focusing on all the other things that needed to happen. Right, and that was the former Barclay Card call center, right, in Wilton, on Weld Road in Wilton? That's correct. And you're still there. We are still here, yeah. So you had a location, fortunately. What other challenges were there to getting things back on track? You know, I think one of the biggest challenges that we had was with... The people that we helped take care of and our staff who witnessed the event and the literally hundreds of members of our community who either knew somebody that worked for LEAP or knew somebody that worked for the fire fire department. There was a lot of physical trauma, but there was also a lot of emotional trauma. And the next three months literally were having meetings with folks 
who were able to do counseling services, churches organized dinners. The community came together in literally dozens of ways to help LEAP and help the first responders. And all of that took a lot of organizing. However, it was such a therapeutic experience to understand that people were reaching out to us in ways to help and understood how important it was to uh, be a beacon of light, help and support at a time when we were going through a lot of challenges. There were literally community events every week at the fire department for three or four months. People brought food. Different fire departments showed up and uh, staffed the Farmington's department while they got their act together and kind of regrouped. And uh, we had different organizations from around the country reach out to us at LEAP from the United Way, the Red Cross, an organization called Stars of Hope. And it seemed like every time, you know, you weren't going to get through a day, somebody would send an email message, a card would show up, a group from California would send a box of uh, homemade artwork that they had put together. And understanding the depth of understanding and compassion out there helped us get through a really tumultuous first three or four months. How much did you have to recreate or reinvent of your business structure, the things you did lose that weren't in the cloud? It wasn't as bad as you can imagine, but some things are, you know, just gone forever. For instance, you know, as a nonprofit, we have a board of directors, so we had board of directors books going back 30 years, and only in the last couple years had we been putting them on SharePoint and making sure that they were available electronically. So we lost all of that history. Personnel files and records from people, you know, that had been gone more than a couple of years, all gone, historical documents, pictures. You know, our central office had dozens and dozens of pictures of um, people that we support and just people engaged in, in the priceless activities of our organization. Another challenge, I guess, was the building that exploded was had just been completed yeah so uh, i mean if you can imagine filling a you know ten thousand square foot building with every accoutrement from decorations to toilet paper holders and you know hundreds and thousands of details that go into that and all that work and you just kind of sat down and went that's done well all of a sudden you don't have any of that so it just it didn't seem important compared to what people were actually going through at the time, but you need those things. Right. Was there much disruption to the to the business, to your ability to take care of your clients and the way you operated? It was actually one of my real concerns in the first few weeks. And I was amazed at the both the maturity and the professionalism of LEAP's direct support professionals. Um, These are folks that are on the front lines every day, not making a lot of money. They do have high standards for certifications and uh, background checks and all of that stuff. But we understand that folks that do this work uh, uh, do it because, you know, they like to help other people. But my point was every time... I've reached out to a manager of a home or communicated with the DSPs almost universally. 
those folks said, hey, we know what we're doing out here in the field. We've been doing it all along. We got this covered. We also know that you probably got other stuff you need to deal with, insurances and communication and media requests and all of these things. And I was just blown away by the quality of the direct support professionals that we employ and the managers who never made me think for a minute that the quality of our care was gonna slip. Um, And that allowed me to do the other stuff that I needed to do. We have to take another short commercial break. And when we come back, we'll talk about how LEAP is doing now a year after the explosion and what lessons there were. Remember why you went into business? You can say to fulfill a dream or change the world, but I'll bet the real reason you went into business was to make money. So how are you doing? And would you like to do better? Sutherland Weston Marketing Communications has been helping main businesses better do what they were built to do, make money by reaching audiences, catching eyes and ears, and helping them make the sale. Worth a phone call? Find Sutherland Weston Marketing Communications online at sutherlandweston.com. People are generally good and they want to help each other. And when given the opportunity, they will. And it's made me reflect on ways to give people the opportunity to do better without necessarily involving a tragedy. So we're back with Daryl Wood from Leap, and it's been a year. This podcast will air after the anniversary, but as we're recording it, it's close to the anniversary itself. It's been a year since the explosion. Where is Leap now and what lessons? I mean, obviously, a lesson any business can take away is just a very simple, have an evacuation plan and load things up to the cloud. But bigger picture, what do you think people can take away from your experience? But first of all, how, how is Leap doing now? How are you doing and your staff and the people you take care of all doing? I would say we're doing very well. We certainly have been impacted by the whole COVID-19 experience. Starting you know, somewhere in February, we realized that we better be on top of this or um, we could have another kind of secondary level of tragedy occurring. Um, Congregate settings, which are smaller group homes that have um, 24-hour staffing, staff coming and going from within and about and about in the community, uh, are truly the highest risk frontline personnel that are out there. Um, So we kind of took early steps to make sure that we were ahead of the curve on on COVID. So that actually occupied a lot of our time. But as related to, you know, where we are now, I think in some ways, both as a staffing group and as a connected community, uh, we've come together, we're closer, uh, we listen better. We certainly understand um, when other people experience challenges, uh, what might go into that. So we might be a little bit less quick to judge. We've tried to reflect upon our years of building good teams and our culture of quality and our promotion of leadership within the LEAP experience. Because when you have a really tragic event, um, things can go one of two ways. And if you haven't treated people well and uh, you don't have an engaged employee base, you know, there can be a lot of blame thrown around uh, when in fact our staff came together, united, helped each other. Like I mentioned earlier, when there was something I thought of 
and brought it up to one of my directors. It was usually already being done. They had already um, stepped up to that. Also, I think another lesson that all of us that were close to this have learned is that you never take anything for granted. Your life, your family, your work. Normally, I would have been in that building that morning, but my wife was sick at home, and I was kind of helping take care of her. As a matter of fact, I just said, oh, i got to get going when, when Larry called me. My daughter came upon the scene, saw mm. the building was blown up. She didn't know for 15 to 20 minutes while I was in there. And so many people had that experience of not knowing. And that in itself can be traumatizing. And I've learned that everybody processes those things differently and that it's important to kind of be supportive in your messaging when other people are going through different things. And on the note of people having the experience your daughter did, people need to realize who may not be as familiar with Franklin County as you are and I am that Farmington is only a town of 8,000 people and the county's small and everyone knows each other. A lot of people are related. Governor Mills is from there. She knew the people involved. It's traumatizing for a community when everyone has some connection or knows everyone but there were also upsides to that i've always thought we live in a a pretty special community up here but uh, the the upsides i guess are that everybody has learned just how valuable our public safety officials and first responders are it was amazing to me that some of these people had to get up and go to work the next day And in fact, some of that work might be responding to a propane leak at a a different building. So the fact that one year later, 99.9% of the communications that I've had from any community member, including organizations and businesses and the whole first provider community, random people on the street has been positive and supported, has in a lot of ways renewed my faith Uh, in the human race. You know, you can see on the media and social media these days, uh, there's a lot of negativity out there. But what I found was that deep down, people are generally good and they want to help each other. And when given the opportunity, they will. And it's made me reflect on uh, ways to give people the opportunity to do better without necessarily involving a tragedy. Do you plan to stay in the Barclay Card building and Wilton? I guess it's no longer the Barclay Card building. Or are you looking for um, a different permanent location? Yeah, so this building doesn't work perfectly for us. It's kind of a, a big, wide open space. It's hard to heat, hard to ventilate, and it's more square footage than we need. So we are going to be actively looking for a site um, that better suits our specific needs. And hopefully that'll be able to happen within the next year or two. How, I mean, nothing is normal now because of the pandemic, but how, quote unquote, back to normal are things a year later? Well, a word that's been thrown around is the new normal. And I think we've all adjusted to the new normal, not only as it relates to the events of 916, but COVID as well. I found that my teams are much more flexible in where and how they can do their work. And I would say that the normal that was in place before 916 last year may never come back, but that the new way of doing business is 
going to be one that continues to evolve and may in fact benefit us eventually. Leap is an organization that never closes. Uh, we're open every day in multiple, multiple locations. Our frontline supervisors are always available to respond to after hour emergencies and we have on-call personnel and it almost makes sense, you know, to have people working flexibly instead of a nine to five or eight to four. So we're working out some of those details, see who that works for. And we may be able to implement a work-life balance that better meets the needs of the organization through some strategic thought processes. And my final question for you is, I hope this isn't too much of a curveball, but if the CEO of a corporation came to you and said, Daryl, God knows I hope nothing like this ever happens to my corporation, but you never know what's going to happen. What can I do to prepare for something like this? What is the number one thing that I should do with my staff and my business in case something like this happens? I think early on we talked about you know, having your evacuation drills and, and knowing your buildings inside and out always putting safety as a top priority. You know, ironically, LEAP has had a vigorous safety committee and we have a a caught you doing something safe program and we've been really on top of safety for about 15 years. And if something like this can can happen to an organization that puts a ton of um, emphasis on safety, it can happen to any organization. So be prepared by knowing your buildings And the second piece is, you know, have a strong culture of leadership within your organization so that everybody understands what to do if they see a safety violation and everybody feels like they're working together as part of a team. So in case you do have an extremely uh, traumatic or, or negative type of incident, your team galvanizes and comes together to make it better versus scatters and, and, um, you know, reflects poorly upon management. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, Daryl, to sit down with us and talk about it. It was a horrific experience, both for the people involved and a real blow to your business. And it's good to hear you be able to put it in terms that I think people can not only understand how just really awful it was, but can understand how you can bounce back more or less from something like that. And we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about it. Well, thank you for the opportunity, Maureen. Um, There's a lot of providers of uh, IDD services throughout the state. We employ over 20,000 direct care professionals and many other professionals. We are a part of the business community. We stay connected with our chambers of commerce and appreciate the the business climate. If anybody can learn anything from this conversation, then uh, mission accomplished. This has been a production of Main Biz. Find out more about this podcast and other Main Biz media products at mainbiz.biz. The Day That Changed Everything is sponsored by Norway Savings Bank, Main Technology Institute, or MTI, and Sutherland Weston. The Main Biz podcast team includes Renee Cordes, Will Hall, Maureen Milliken, Allison Nason, Andrea Tetzlaff, and Donna Broussard. Audio editor and producer, is Chris Sedenka. Logo and marketing designer is Matt Selva. The Main Biz podcast team also thanks Peter Van Allen, Betsy Vanderplug, Ken Hansen for their contributions. 
subscribe to the Main Biz Podcast at mainbiz.biz or via iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Copyright 2020.